0: Okay, ladies, last week, Larry shared, and she had three L's for chapter three, longing, loving, and living. And Paul longed to see the believers in Thessalonica, and he wanted to see the new believers grow in their faith and in their walk with the Lord. He wanted them to continue to increase in their love for others, that they were already loving others, but he wanted them to continue to love, and to live a life of steadfastness in the face of persecution. That was the Lord's desire for them, and I know it's still his desire for us today. Now in chapter 4, Paul says, finally, then brethren, (laughs) finally, he had been sharing all these things, and he so wanted to go, but he couldn't and even though he had gotten a report back from Timothy, he still wrote this first letter to tell them how much he loved them, to encourage them, and to uh, just be that father uh, to them. That He had a father's attitude, a mother's attitude towards seeing them. And he wanted to encourage them in areas that they were already doing well, but he wanted them to continue to do what they were doing. And so for the beginning of this message, is going to be kind of, I want to talk about how to continue, continue to do, because we need to continue in the same things Paul encouraged them to continue in. And continue, what does that mean? It means to maintain without interruption, or to endure, to last, to remain in a place or condition or to persist in. And basically, you know, what we would say probably would be keep on keeping on. Keep going, press on, Um, don't give in, don't give up, Uh, but keep it up. And not only are we to continue in these things, but we're going to talk about areas we need to increase in, not only continue, but to increase to grow in, to abound in, to overflow in that which they were already doing and which maybe we are already doing, but we need to keep doing it. We need to do more. We need to add to what we're doing, to increase in what we're doing, to abound in and overflow in what we're doing, even as they were doing these things, but Paul wanted them to continue and to add to, to increase, to abound. And so three Areas from chapter 4 that we're going to address mostly, uh, areas where they were and we are to continue in and to increase in. And that's in pleasing God, in loving others, and in comforting others. So number one, in pleasing God. We need to continue living in a way that pleases God, and we need to increase in our way of living, so that we will live in a way that pleases God. And I'm going to read to you um, from the New Living Translation, just because it's such an easy, more today kind of uh, vocabulary and vernacular that I'm going to read from. The first um, eight verses of chapter 4. And it says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, you are doing this already, and we encourage you to do so more and more. For you remember what we taught you in the name of the Lord Jesus. God wants you to be holy, so you should keep clear of all sexual sin. Then each of you will control your body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion, as the pagans do, in their ignorance of God and his ways. Never cheat a Christian brother in this matter by taking his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to be holy, not to live impure lives. Anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human rules, but is rejecting God who gives his holy spirit to you. So you had a question in the lesson, how are ways be share some specific ways you can please god but the context in which paul was saying this had to do with their sexual purity abstaining from that which the world would say was okay and in their world believers um were called to live differently than the rest of the world even as we are today and they uh most unbelievers those that were not even jewish really kind of didn't have any moral standards, and so they just kind of did whatever they wanted to do. But we're being told here to abstain from that uh, sexual uh, sin the sexual, and have sexual purity. Sex is to be between a man and a wife, his wife, um, and it should be bet- with her, the wife and her husband. The world then and the world today says it's okay to have multiple partners, maybe some at the same time, or even the same sex, the same gender, it's okay. And we need to stand against that because that's not what the Bible says. And I want to read to you um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 20. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple? Of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own; for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are His. And you're going to have opportunity too in your group to talk about why God cares about our sexual purity. Um, it's not just to take away fun or to, you know, whatever the world might tell us, but it is for our protection. And this so. Goes along with Pastor Michael's message. If you were here on Sunday uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the first nine verses, he talked about the natural man that cannot discern the things of the Spirit, the carnal man who is a believer but a babe in Christ, and one that isn't probably a brand new babe in Christ, but one that has known the Lord but isn't walking in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, isn't growing and isn't maturing in their faith. And then the spiritual man. So if you weren't here, get his uh, tape. But the spiritual man will put the Lord first. The spiritual man, the mature man, wants to please the Lord and wants to avoid and abstain from those things that don't please the Lord. He wants to live in a way that's pleasing to God, not to earn salvation, but as an expression of love, and an expression of appreciation and thanksgiving for all that the Lord has done. Galatians 5.16 tells us if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And that's, I, I love this at, in chapter 4, at the end of this section, <laughs> Paul writes, because we've been given the Holy Spirit. Our flesh is strong, and in every area it's strong. And when It wants to do things that are not the way God wants. We have been given the Holy Spirit that we can overcome the power of the flesh, the sin of our natural man. Uh, And so we don't have to rely on our own strength. We have the strength of the Holy Spirit to uh, be empowered to have victory in those areas. And that's part of sanctification, being set apart from sin and set apart unto god not to please ourselves but to please the lord so we are set apart for his purposes and his youth use that's the will of god walking and living in a way that pleases god and we're to grow in this area this area of living to please god more than ourselves, more than others more than the world and as we grow in this area we're going to learn more about him and his word and what he likes and dislikes. And then we make adjustments in our life when, maybe when you've walked with the Lord for a few years, you've had freedom to participate in this activity or watch this particular thing on TV or read these kinds of novels. And then there comes a time, he says, okay, now it's gonna become an issue and I don't want you to do it anymore. And I can remember him showing me that. I love going to the movies. And it didn't matter if if they were rated R or not. I just I could plan out a Saturday and get to three different bargain matinees, you know, just because it was like, okay, this is here, 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 and here. Well, little by little, the Lord said, don't you're you're supporting things that I am totally against. You're watching things that I am against. And then little by little, with TV programs, I would have freedom to watch something, and maybe the second or third season, all of a sudden, it was like the Lord. You just feel that conviction, no, and so am I going to ignore that and satisfy my flesh, or am I going to listen to the Lord? Lord, most of the time, Lord willing, I will, he will empower me, and I will choose, and then it comes through, the power. So maybe, you know, music, attitudes, dress, conversation, That all changes little by little as you become more Christ-like and walk closer to him. When you love someone, you want to please them, right? You want to do things that make them happy and avoid doing things that make them unhappy. And that's how we're to be with our Heavenly Father, with our loving bridegroom, with our best friend, with our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Uh, My pastor's wife for many years, Kay Smith, just kind of boiled it down to a simple question, does it please God? It takes away that I should or shouldn't do this. Should I do this, shouldn't I do it? When you consider whatever it is, will it please God? That's your answer. If it doesn't, then don't do it. Don't say it, don't go there, whatever. If it does please him, then do it. Because we've been created for his pleasure, not our own. So continue in pleasing God and increase grow in, abound in, overflow in, pleasing him. Okay, number two, we're also to continue in and increase, grow in, abound in, loving others. And we've had this already, but it's also Paul repeats it again in chapter four, and I'm going to read again in the New Living, nine through 12. But I don't need to write to you about The Christian love that should be shown among God's people for God himself has taught you to love one another indeed your love is already strong toward all the Christians in all of Macedonia even so dear brothers and sisters we beg you to love them more and more this should be your ambition to live a quiet life and this is all part of love. When you're loving someone, you're going to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we commanded you before. As a result, people who are not Christians will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others to meet your financial needs. Evidently, um, those there were believers in the church that had much, and they had such a heart to walk in love toward others, they were helping those who had little. But some of those who had little were taking advantage of those who had much. And they were more than glad to let those who had much take care of those who had little, because then they didn't have to work. And Paul, evidently Timothy had shared that that had been going on, and he wanted to correct that. He said, no, you need to work, take care of yourself, and... Yes, help those that have a genuine need. And we are to help others that have a genuine need. But don't take advantage of someone else's good, as I, you know, the phrase, good fortune or or blessings. And they're, you know, don't look at it. And I'm sure none of you here do that. They're not an easy mark. And I think sometimes the world sees the church as an easy mark because they know that the Lord wants, you know, the believers to be giving and and sacrificial i like this little um comment from haley's bible handbook as paul commended the charitable he rebuked the lazy to be willing to live off of their neighbors was contrary to every principle of brotherly love able-bodied beggars they were glad for others to practice brotherly love while they themselves exhibited the essence of self-love it looked bad to those outside the church So yes, part of loving the body of Christ is to help those who need help, but you need to be willing to work as well if you are able and you are in that place. You can help financially, you can help with food or clothing or furniture for those that have a genuine need. It can be to help reach out to the community as with the Harvest Fest that's coming because they need, what'd they say? I think John said 75 people to really make the Harvest Fest effective because there's so many different areas. And I think I just heard that Chloe in the children's ministry still needs about 20 people to help run the kids' booths and the games and the different things for that night. That's one way of helping because these brothers and sisters here in the church need help with Harvest Fest. It can be to help other Christian uh well, sisters attend Christian events or even anyone in the church. When there's a charge, whether you go to it or not, you can contribute toward their ticket. I know that's happened in the past with some of you gals. You've bought a ticket for someone else, or you can contribute towards the scholarship money for someone to go to retreat or to at least go towards um, the someone's retreat costs. It's to help make the church run more smoothly by volunteering maybe to usher. I know some of you do that, usher. Um, Serve in the children's ministry Mm -hmm. to do the slides, like Tammy and and Lisa do. And maybe someone else needs to volunteer to learn how to do that and to help. It's to help uh, an opportunity with Operation Christmas Child. And I know they're doing that. And in the foyer, there's a little can that's marked that you can contribute financially, or you can pick up one of the flyers that gives you a list of things, how to put one of the shoe boxes together, that's an outreach. It could be by just praying for or with others, sending notes and sending texts of encouragement. It's not being a respecter of persons, it's not being clickish. it's being loving towards towards you all your brothers and sisters. Um, Greeting others, whether you know them or not, is just kind of being open and making others feel welcome. There's lots of different areas we can demonstrate our love. And love is what we are to continue in, to increase in, and to abound in. Okay, number three, we are to continue in, to increase in, to abound in, comforting others. And I'm going to read verses 13 through 18 in the New King James Version. For the Lord Himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, if you don't know Jesus, then you can't be assured of what life is after death. And the phrase, fallen asleep, is a phrase that was used among Christians that indicated, though, a person that had died had already um, left this earth, so to speak. They, left, they had left their body. Um, and if you don't know Jesus, you don't know for sure what life is after death. You can only hope or base your beliefs on your own opinion or of what's been said or someone has said to you. You don't really know what it's gonna be or who's gonna be there. But believers, we know that we know because the Bible tells us there is a heaven, there is a hell, and we know people that die are going one of two directions. If they're believers, they're going up. If they're non-believers, they're going down and we didn't say it but the bible tells us and so we can know and that fallen asleep is a term or a phrase that is used in the bible to refer to those who have already died their bodies have died but second corinthians 5 8 tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord and paul was reassuring these thessalonian believers that those who had already died in christ would not miss his second coming, but they would come back with him, and those believers that were still living would be together then with them, would be caught up together with them. Most believe this passage is referring to the rapture of the church, and that word uh, rapture is um, not actually written that way, used in here, but it refers to a catching up, a snatching up, Away, and it means the catching up of believers by Christ at the time of his return. And I want to read a corresponding passage that is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 52. 2 Corinthians, no, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, Verses 50 through 52. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, meaning these physical bodies. Nor does corruption, these physical bodies, inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And it's talking about these bodies are not fit for heavenly living. We're not, we're seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, that's our position, but we're not physically there yet. And to be there physically, we're going to need a new body. It's kind of like those that have gone out into space. They don't go just in their own bodies. They have spacesuits, right, that enable them to still breathe and and move around. Well, when we we get to heaven, we need a new body uh, to be able to um, live in that environment, and we're gonna be given one. Now, no one knows exactly when this is gonna take place, just that it will. Only our Father in heaven knows, and there's gonna be more next week that we'll uh, see concerning this. But a quick explanation of when this will occur, in relationship to the Great Tribulation, which also will be addressed um, uh, down the line in our study, um, is from a book by David R. Shepherd, And there's basically three differing views. And I thought this was kind of a simplistic way of talking about it. But pre-tribulation has the view, and it sees the rapture occurring prior to the tribulation. Mid-tribulation places the rapture at the midpoint of a seven-year tribulation period. Post-tribulation holds that the church will remain on earth during the tribulation period. Now, I was brought up spiritually in a church with Pastor Chuck Smith, and he totally believed that the rapture would take pre-trib. It would happen before we really experienced any of... um, the, the tribulation period or before, the, within those first, part, first couple of years of it. Um, but I know Pastor Michael believes it's going to be later. But I've heard him say, I hope those of you that are pre-trib, I hope you're right. I don't think you are, but I hope you are. So there's differing views. To me, the main part is that we're ready, that we're watching. Because it, we do know it's going to come as a thief in the night and we don't wanna be caught unaware. The Lord is coming back for his church. We're either gonna die and go home to be with him, individually, or he's going to come for his bride. And Jesus, our bridegroom, is waiting for his father to say, son, go get your bride. And those of us that are still alive and remain will be caught up together with those who have already gone on before us. Um, That's, to me, we need to be comforting one another, reminding each other. Um, look, those that have already died, if they knew the Lord, we're going to see Him again. Be comforted. Uh, when you're being persecuted, what a comforting thought. that it's, We're passing through. There's going to come an end to this. Hang on. That should be comforting. in the comfort that God is coming again for you. Jesus promised he would be back, and he is going to be back. So we need to be living in light of eternity living for what really matters. Now, Paul ends this portion of his letter with therefore, and we always have to consider what the therefore is there for, and it's because of all these things where he's saying continue in this, increase in this, and then the reminder and the explanation of the Lord's return to comfort one another with these words. So in light of the rapture, in light of the Lord's return, be comforted, and then comfort each other. We know those that have gone on before us, it's a temporary separation. Yeah, we miss them. Yes, we wish they were still here, but it's a temporary situation. We will see them again if they knew the Lord. And again, the comfort, the Lord is coming again for us. So continue in, increase in, abound in living to please the Lord, abound in loving others, and abound in comforting one another lord we thank you so much for your word and that you haven't left us alone to understand it to know how to apply it but you've given us your holy spirit and we thank you so much that we can partner with him lord the power of god from on high so help us to walk in your spirit lord walking in the truths of your word applying your word to our lives more and more lord that you would conform us into your image and that you would work not only in us, but through us, Lord, as we wait your return. Thank you, Lord, that we are assured of when we leave this earth, Lord, that we're going to be with you face to face, and that you are coming again one way or the other for us. Help us to watch and be ready, Lord. I pray you bless the discussion groups, Lord, as the women minister one to another, Lord. And again, just thank you that you're here with us. In Jesus' name, amen.